A relatively new archetype in the arena of pop culture is that of the gamer. We all know them. Our cousins who come to family gatherings only to sit in the living room playing Mario Kart. The romantic partner who thinks downloading the newest Halo game is an adequate anniversary gift. Or your friend who failed out of college only to make more money than you on their Twitch channel. Gamers are everywhere, including pop culture. How is this subculture portrayed in movies, documentaries, and books? Does pop culture accurately capture the passion, aesthetic, and lifestyle of these joystick warriors? Join the Bonsai Boys, Jay and Travis, as they peep into the world of gamers in this four-part series, The Gamer Set. Virtual reality. Mm. Remember virtual reality? Like, I don't think it exists anymore. (laughs) The goggles and the, you know. Yeah, I remember when we were kids. uh, We're a little bit age difference. I'm just going to say when we're kids. uh, Instead of having to preface everything with the fact that Jay is my senior. By not many years, but a few years. A few years. Enough years that he can be like. senior citizen. Yeah, he can be like, listen up, Sonny. Is... When virtual reality first started, where, where you started being able to actually put on virtual goggles, remember it was at malls? Did you ever do one of those virtual reality goggle things at a mall, like those little kiosks? I remember seeing them, but my grandma wouldn't let me because she said I'd get pink eye. <laughs> well, actually, to be honest, <laughs> grandma probably wasn't far off. It's actually a, a really reasonable way. It's not like they were sanitizing those goggles afterwards. Yeah, who knows, yeah. But I remember going to the mall, and it was like you had to kind of go to a higher-end mall, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like the dirt malls, you didn't really see those in. but like So like the equivalent of like Scottsdale Fashion Square, you might mm-hmm. see a nice... And they had the... Um, they weren't rigs, but they were kind of like rigs. It was... You had to get onto a little stage area that had a... Uh, almost like a railing to it. And Mm -hmm. they would kind of spin, right? They would kind of spin as you put the goggles on. And it was expensive. I only did it one time. And it took me several visits seeing it to be like, wow, look at that. I could never afford that. You know, I think it was like $10 for like five minutes. It was was ridiculously expensive for like five minutes of virtual reality. And I remember my my mom and my dad was like, do you want to try it? I'm kind of like, no. They're like, why not? I'm like, because it's, it's, it's too, we're not of that class, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you see Tron, mom? Yeah, Come on. Yeah, we're not, we're not of, we're, we're peons. We are, we are the proletariat. We are not meant, <laughs> we are not meant for the moon, mom. We are to be grounded on earth. But uh, I think they probably got me with, what are you scared? I'm like, listen, if you want to spend the 10 oh, bucks, I'll cool. do it. Like, I'll, I'll get on there. And you put the goggles on, you know, that have been worn by every sweaty mall rat there is. And then you go into this game. And I think that that virtual reality is kind of going to be like the lawnmower man or hackers, like something like mm-hmm. that. But oh, it's, yeah. It, it's not that far off, but it's just giant like triangles. And I think the premise of this first game, which was in all the malls, was you were like you had a little gun and you'd run around this very barren landscape and You'd try to find someone who was on the other pad, and you would try to shoot them. But it was so hard to aim and so hard to 
to turn around and see things. It was kind of a disappointing experience. Well, that sucks. Well, what is your first experience with VR? Dude, okay, honestly, um, my I don't even know what it is or what it's called, so hopefully gamers don't get all pissed off. Um, like a year ago, um, my brother-in-law has uh, those goggle things for his uh, PlayStation 4, 3, 4, whatever the hell. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so yeah, you just put them on. And yeah, and you, it's it's like you're just kind of running, uh, and you have to like swipe at all these obstacles that are coming at you, and it, I don't know, it's kind of cheesy. But it's a newer. Um, it, that's like a newer version, so that's like the new yeah, VR, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of cool, but again, you know, what am I going to do with that? If you had to create a, a virtual reality game, what world would you want to be, like, immersed in? I know we're going to talk a lot about this when we talk about Ready Player Two, but, like, as far as, I'm not talking about, like, a pop culture world, but what experience other than your uh, own life would you want to experience? I would want to be immersed in the world of uh, the movie Babe. Pig in the City uh, the or farming? just the first no, one? No, no, fuck Pig in the City. The first one. Okay. Rural babe, okay? Okay. Rural babe. Uh, I want to be just one of the... Yeah. Rural babe. I'm from the sticks. I'm all rural babe. You know? Like Tom Sawyer and shit, babe. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, just be like one of the talking animals. You know? Just... Not necessarily like a main, you That's know, terrifying. one of the, the, the. That's terrifying. No, just one. What? Why? Yeah, that movie is creepy, man. I don't like the animals that talk. I don't like claymation, and I don't like those claymation. Yeah, claymation stuff. Uh, <laughs> speaking of games, remember <laughs> clay? Remember clay fighters? Remember that game, clay fighters? Kind of do. You were kinda, I mean, there was like a vicious snowman at one point. You oh were, yeah. yeah, you've seen that yeah. video game. Oh my god, this just brought back a lot of memories. I hated that game because they. They look real, but they're not. They're made out of clay. It's like that whole, what do they call it? The uh, uh, uncanny valley. Mm-hmm, where you look, mm-hmm, it looks mm-hmm. too real, but it looks off enough that it freaks me out, man. That chicken run shit with Mel Gibson. I like Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah. that animation. Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> not for me, man. That's even why I have a hard time getting into Tim Burton. Mm-hmm, this Play-Doh mm-hmm. loving ass. <laughs> Welcome harsh. to Pop Bonsai. All right, Jay. Jay, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna welcome you first. I think I'm gonna do this now. Oh. I think I'm gonna welcome you first, Jay, to the podcast. Welcome, Jay, to our set number three of our gamer set, in which we're talking about Ready Player Two. Oh yeah, that's it. That's all I got. It's a, a, it's okay. a very simple welcoming. It's it's okay. heart heartfelt. I I, I appreciate simple. that. I I see it. I feel it. I feel more importantly, I feel it. So I, I've let them. In, I've let them in the in the in the door. Why don't you show them around the room, Jay? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say thank you for the warm welcome. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure to be here. 
Uh, you're always here. Uh, you are you are yeah. my co-pilot on this little, little journey. We're both Chewbacca's. <laughs> We're both nine numbs. Yeah. I would rather be here than anywhere else right now. Oh, okay. that's so nice. I'll stop here right there that's every so nice. Friday night. You wouldn't anyway. want to be anywhere in the world right now. The hottest band, Kiss. Yeah, so Ready Player Two. Not one, but two. Um, we're here to, to talk, to discuss, to uh, generate opinions. Hopefully not, you know. Hopefully we don't get too many people pissed off at us. Right. We've been looking at uh, gamers. Uh, the uh, It's been a lot of the archetype of gamers, really, so far in our three sets. is uh, We started off talking about Scott Pilgrim and how gamers were uh, put on display and how those characters and those archetypes were playing around in that world of a big motion uh, picture. And then we talked about uh, 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 the documentary uh, King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, which, of course, follows uh, real-life gamers Steve Weeby. Mm -hmm. Steve, I'm, I'm Steve Weeby. Bitch best believe me, I'm beating Donkey Kong and I make it look easy. Weeby, when I eat my mac and cheesy, you know I wear a glove so I don't get greasy. That Weeby. Uh, we talked about how the reality of gamers uh, as displayed through this documentary. And now we're going to go into the literature. Mm. The literature of gamers, you know? And there's, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a large medium. There's not a lot of, off the top of my head, I can't, you know, you think of Ender's Game might be an early form of gamer literature. And, and of course, they have novels based on video games. Like I think they have a whole Halo series where you can, you know, do that. And there's a whole World of Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft books out there where they take these characters. But this is Ernest Klein's attempt to take a look at a world that is heavily steeped in gaming culture in virtual reality and in pop culture so the characters mm -hmm. we meet in this novel are very much representative of what ernest klein wants to show about gamers the good the bad warts and all yeah yeah for sure um they there were very few new characters yeah in this um it it doesn't take place immediately after um the last one i don't remember how long but it kind of almost our, does though yeah our main yeah. characters are they're 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 enjoying their wealth Mm -hmm. Yes, you this, know, um, uh, let me set it up. This is, of course, the sequel to Ready Player One, which follows yeah. Wade Watts as uh, a quick summary, if I if I had to, off the top of my head. Wade Watts is this uh, uh, teenager living in the future, and this future is uh, not post-apocalyptic, but it's a dystopian future, which is very yeah. much uh, the world is kind of in ruins. People live on top of each other. It's very class system-based. The rich are rich. The poor are even poorer. They, you 
you know, Wade Watts lives in this kind of trailer park area, and he gets through his life by submerging himself in something called the Oasis. And the Oasis is this virtual reality world that you can get into by putting on goggles and some gloves, and you can interact and play games and go to school and just about everything you can do in the real world, you can do in the virtual world. And more and more people in Wade's world are tuning out of the real world and going into this virtual world. And it follows uh, Wade Watts as he goes on this journey to find Holiday, who is the gay guy who uh, created this Oasis universe, the Steve Jobs of this world. He has died, and in Willy Wonka fashion, he has put up forth a bunch of clues that fall that come in the form of keys and eggs that you have to know about pop culture to unlock and get the player who gets all the keys and eggs does get control of the oasis and so spoiler alert wade watts and his um, team of misfit heroes and gamers end up defeating the bad guy in this book who also wants the eggs and um keys and they end up getting control of oasis so ready player two takes place a couple of weeks after the first one ends where wade has been successful he has the keys to the company he is in charge of the oasis but he has chosen to share that responsibility with his friends h Mm -hmm. which is a uh lesbian person of color woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a uh his what's the uh main love interest uh artemis artemis, artemis his uh girlfriend soon to be ex-girlfriend <laughs> and um so not socho um uh shoto 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 mm-hmm. uh his asian buddy <laughs> i don't know how to talk about this novel in the pc way no, this no, like, no. It's... This is like a bonfire because like, this is part of Gamergate and this is a big thing. So yep. we're just we're we're just two fa- fans of pop culture talking about this, guys. So and see, that's the thing. Um, talking about this, if you if you're going to go in, into any depth, you, you're dancing on the edge on, on the on the PC ledge. You know, that's a... <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, for uh, for me. You know, and, and I don't, you know, I, I don't want to speak for Travis, but I think I may in, in this. Um, if we, if we do say something that's totally shitty and offensive, you know, I, I apologize. But like he said, we are fans. We grew up at a certain time, which yeah. apparently, which I'll talk about later, um, is is now a culture of of uh, of just toxicity um and so yeah so we're gonna be honest let's be honest jay if someone's gonna say something mildly offensive it's gonna be it's probably gonna be me (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't know dude in in my trying to you know to 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 straddle the the right the right you know i may just the right wing politics (gasps) jay did you just out yourself as a right winger (laughs) see already already people i don't know people know for joking but trump politics (laughs) Um. So yeah, I apologize, but anyway, because I because I don't want to worry about that. I, I no, want to talk we're, about we're this. We're focusing and I wanna... in on on how the game, how the world of gamers is put on display. There's a million things yeah. you can, million lenses you can look at this book through. Yeah, from religious to political to gender, we're gonna look at it through 
How is Ernest Klein portraying gamers to his audience? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess you're right. I thought it had been maybe a couple years. No, it's like a couple, it's like a couple of weeks because they. But it was, yeah, because they're yeah. they 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 basically take some time to decompress in. I don't know all these names. I just had the vaccine yesterday, guys, and I just got through with a massage, so my brain's all cloudy. Um, the um, and he's gonna become important here. Holiday's partner, which is uh, Ogden Ogden Morrow, Morrow. Uh-huh. Uh, I always think about Ogden Morrow. I think of the guy from Northern Exposure, um, but. Uh, <laughs> there after the first book ends they go to his like retreat which is all his palace is pimped out like rivendale from lord of the rings and they hang out there for two weeks and he and artemis are going at it they're like in full love uh and then they all go uh uh away or that's when um wade receives he's he's in the study he's in the virtual world and he goes into, he is now the keeper of the Oasis. So he has a special privilege to get into the special tower in the Oasis that only the owner of the Oasis can get into. And he goes mm-hmm. into this and he finds that Holiday has left him another surprise. What surprise is that, Jay? So it's his penis. Him- Sorry, I couldn't hold it off. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> So it's it's another it's yet another way to enjoy the oasis. So so like Travis was saying before, the oasis was like a, a, a I don't know. I it's, guess like a, from, it's like an oasis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So it's like a virtual reality world, right? You have to put on goggles and gloves, um, but it's just all um, it's mostly visual not a lot of tactile or anything, but he leaves them this new technology, which kind of, I know they can kudos to Ernest Klein. He actually mentioned this movie. It kind of reminds me of strange days where um, that movie, strange days where right. they, they actually puts this, this thing on their head and it allows uh, their, their entire, the, the, the whole, the, all of the senses to enjoy the oasis. So now you can you can smell, you can taste, you can uh, all of this in, in in the oasis. Just a whole new level for everybody to enjoy this. this these thing. and these are called the uh, Oni uh, Oni uh, um, system. O N I. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a way to be f- almost fully submerged into actually. Completely fully submerged into it. Uh, touch, taste, uh, uh, emotions, feelings. And so it takes the Oasis experience, which is all based on pop culture. So before, if you were playing Indiana Jones, you could feel the sting of the whip if it hits you in the face. I don't know why Indiana Jones would be whipping himself in the face. Uh, but <laughs> at, at some point, everyone's got to learn. At some point, young Indy, uh, sorry, Dr. Jones doll, uh, whipped himself in the face. Um, but another thing they do is... Uh, they it allows users to capture their own real world experiences and play them back. So if Jay goes That's surfing right. yeah, on yeah. the pop bonsai wave, I and he records that, I can put that uh, on through the Oni system and play it like a virtual reality game where I am now Jay, mm. or I could be a woman. And there's a lot. Yeah, there's a 
we'll, we'll steer away from that. Let's go right yeah. into. All right, so that that's the setup. Okay, we got we got this new setup, a new technology. So we've amped up the first one. It's like gaming. It's like the next generation of gaming, which I like. The opening, speaking of gamers in the gaming world culture, an aspect of of gaming culture is what's the new thing right how are we going to take the current technology and how are we going to boost it and people uh talk about this constantly online i was thinking about buying a new macbook pro because mine's like seven years old and it's starting to get i can't run my new final cut on it because it's not updated to the new system so i'm like is it time to buy the new macbook pro and they're like, well, there's supposed to be a new one coming out in 2021, and there's speculation on the features it's going to have. And I'm like, damn, I want those features, but it's all speculation at this point. So there's a whole culture built around gaming uh, that is speculative and anticipatory for the next new thing. And so this oh, yeah. book starts off with the next new thing. Yeah, and... Um... It's okay. So this stuff is introduced, and uh, Wade, the our main guy, immediately loves it. And he so since his he, he won the last challenge, Ready Player One, and he decided to split all his all of his earnings and like kind of like all of the responsibilities with the the three other guys and, and girls that that he. Uh, uh, one that he that he won the game with, so he brings this this new technology, just totally excited, and um, introduces it to everybody, and everybody loves it except his his girlfriend Artemis. And in fact, not only does she is she not all that crazy about it, she actually gets really ticked off at him for trying it and and trying it without her and kind of like just basically why didn't you bring this to us when you were doing this you know yeah there's a couple of things um, in here i i i i, I oh i i'm gonna say it right now i'm what? i'm not like an artemis i don't like i don't i don't like artemis's staunch like you're evil now approach and i understand the storytelling aspect it helps to isolate your main character but it really makes Artemis unlikable in my book. Does not for someone who's supposed to be very understanding and supposed to be very in tune to uh, uh, and sensitive to like uh, the moral compass of things, doesn't really give Wade a chance. Well, maybe she does give him. I guess they they did hash it out. But Wade and the others are like, hey, we we understand, we hear your arguments, but we, we're going to go ahead and do this anyways, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna put this out there for mass consumption. Um, and yeah. Artemis hates that so much that she breaks up with him. Right, mm -hmm. doesn't can barely be in a room with him. Uh, she, yeah. yeah. The the world goes crazy for this thing. Everyone is, is spending more and more time in the oasis. I'm gonna get to the point so we can start talking about uh, the ins and outs of this book. Uh, everyone, yeah. it just blows up. Everyone is spending more and more time in this reality and less in uh, in the oasis and less in the virtual uh, and less in reality. And, um. And but I mean, they're they're trying to be moral about it and things are going pretty well. And then we have the other the I guess the A story, the B story comes in is there is is Honorok. Mm -hmm. Honorok is the avatar for Holiday, 
the old the, the guy who invented the oasis and he'd been absent for a little while and he comes back and basically there is this new challenge a new easter egg competition that's all based around the love interest of the two creators of the oasis um morrow and holiday and so there's this kind of the quest in this becomes uh we're trying to solve the the riddle and they call it something oh what do they call it the woman's name but anyway kira kira yeah it's mm. and they have a, a name for the quest it's not the the quest for the eggs but there's this new quest for this thing anyways they have to navigate that uh and then they find out that uh oh this this honorock guy uh this holiday avatar actually has evil intentions or that maybe not evil intentions but he has intentions to hijack the oasis to serve his own ends and basically resurrect his, the love of his life um and so he puts a ticking clock on the gang wade in the gang that if they don't solve the mis kira's mystery and find all these pieces then everyone who's logged into the oasis will basically go brain dead because they've been logged in for so long you can't be in, can't be logged in for more than like 12 hours or something like that yeah. so yeah. a nice ticking yeah. clock a great ticking clock in the story okay yeah. again like like strange days by the okay way. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah so we got and there's we're missing some stuff but i don't want to just summarize this this plot i want to talk to you jay about what did you think about this book you've read both the books and you've seen the first movie so let's just talk about the books in this right now how do you think ready player two holds up as a sequel to ready player one um general it it, it it i feel it held up okay um it, it compared to the other book it wasn't you know if you it, it was very much the same vibe um i felt like for okay for some weird reason and and even though the stakes were a little bit higher in this in this in, in the sequel because like you said the, the the villain pretty much held the you know three-fourths of the world uh, hostage everybody that was tuned in using this new this new technology um was unable to log out of it because of this guy because of the villain um and the first one the stakes were not as high they're personal yeah they were personal yeah. and, and i enjoyed rooting for the underdog for wade the underdog more than i did seeing him as the you CEO. know the ceo one of the most powerful people uh i don't know i guess in the world you know because not only was he really you know, in the Oasis, was he just like a total titan? But, I mean, he was the head of this corporation, and which just, I guess, there was just kept earning and earning and earning. And there was like earnesting, no... Earnesting, earnesting. Yeah. <laughs> there was no limit, you know, to this guy's wealth. And I don't know. I wasn't invested as much. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 I enjoyed the book. It was a quick read. Um I, it gave me all. It gave me what I expected out of the book. Uh, I will say that as far as the underdog aspect, that Ernest does a good. Klein does a good job of stripping uh, Wade of the powers of a CEO 
uh, within the first third of the book. He sets up like, oh, here are all the things I have. I have un, un I have unprecedented access to all these things, and he sets it up so that he stripped him away of all the powers. You know, he, he gives him, you know, of course, this ticking clock. He's tr they they set it up that he's in this vault in an underground vault, so he can't even escape that. You know, there's there's all these layers upon layers, so that he, Klein really does try, even with the CEO title and the power behind him, to strip him of that all that he gained in the first book, um, mm -hmm. without having someone come in and being like, "I'm the CEO now." And it's like, okay, you're still the CEO. But you've basically we've taken away all your superpowers here. Your ability mm -hmm. to like transport places, your ability to do this, all this stuff is is done uh, is done right. Um, he's also yeah uh, stripped him kind of of his friends. His friends are kind of on the outskirts, but they really come back and they they gather around him uh, on this pretty pretty easily here. Um, as far as it comes to gamers in here, I'm gonna ask you this. <clears throat> You said you liked rooting for Wade in the first one. Did you find Wade... Did you find... I'm just going to be blunt. Are there any... Did you like any of the characters in this? Are, are there any likable characters in here? Not really. Not really. And were some of the characters in this book, a lot of them were in the first book, were some of them much more likable in the first book? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they all were. Yeah, I noticed that too. I find I found myself just more interested in the references, which is what Klein gets us hooked to in the first book, and and that was really what was progressing me through the story. Is okay. What what's he going to explore next? As opposed to the characters themselves. Uh, I I found that Wade yeah. was annoying. I found that Artemis was annoying. H, all of them were just very annoying characters. Honorok, <laughs> um, uh, I think, was maybe the most interesting character uh, because, you know, he is somewhat based on Holiday, but he's become his own thing, and he's doing these evil things. But even he says, like, listen, I, 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 I'm I, sorry this has to be this way, but this is the only way that I can do this. Uh, I felt like he was the most compelling of the characters. I felt at times that I was kind of rooting more for him than I was, or I wouldn't say rooting for him, but was certainly much more engaged with him as a character than I was the other characters who were just kind of whiny or pouty or they had too much hubris. And they're like, of course I could figure this out. Yeah, Why didn't you call me earlier? Right Why didn't you call me earlier? I've been playing this since I was four years old. And then I was like, that kind of sounds like a gamer to me though. <laughs> that yeah, I think yeah. part of part of this is like maybe my misconception of the gamers, but when I meet like gamers at a party, people who really want to talk about gaming and stuff like that, they have this kind of hubris. I don't I don't know. It's so weird talking about because I'm, I'm I'm trying I'm not defining a whole group of people like this, but as much as these characters kind of annoyed me, I wonder if that wasn't intentional to showcase a lifestyle of people as having being really kind of hard to get along with socially and being a bit of pouty or a bit too much hubris. Huh. Um, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't see a writer just tanking 
all the likability for his characters on purpose. But um, this, when I when I watch, when I see things come up about like UB Sports video game tournaments, and they'll be like, yeah, so uh, sometimes I have to, and they'll be drinking a Red Bull, right? So I got to fly to Dubai tomorrow. We're playing this video game tournament, and like, you know, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's annoying as shit, dude. <laughs> Like you remind me of these guys, you know. That's interesting. So you're you're saying that maybe he did that was all by design. That that's I'm not saying maybe I'm not saying true, it was. I said I I said he's more I I give more kudos to Ernest Klein if that was yeah, by design. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like assholery uh, by design. Yeah, it, it's like he's he's trying to do like a like Nirvana did it with in utero. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's make it, you know, let's, let's shoot ourselves in the foot so that we can get rid of all our shitty fans. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she um, said she'd take me anywhere. She'd take me anywhere. As long as she stayed with me. Wait, Molly's lips was on in utero, right? No, that's uh, Molly's lips was, I don't know. Oh, I don't remember. Maybe. I don't think so. Okay. Is that a heart? Anyway, okay. Anyways, <laughs> heart shaped box was. Yeah. Um, but not only, okay. So characters unlikable, and I didn't particularly find the pop culture references that clever. In fact, some of them I saw a mile away before. You know, it's like I know the characters were supposed to. You know. There was one part. <laughs> there was one part that was like a pretty and pink reference, and and the 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 riddle was recast the foul. And I'm like, okay, it's Ducky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's Ducky. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, Ducky. Yeah. You know, yeah. I saw. Like, I was. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, it's yeah, it's fucking Ducky. Yeah. You know, how can they not see that? Yeah. You know, where they were like scholars, supposedly scholars of this, and they didn't. None of all four of them didn't see this. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just stuff like that. I'm like, it's not that if I can solve it, it's not that clever. Which is a tough you know? part about writing a mystery, which essentially this is a pop culture mystery, right? Is uh the recast of foul ducky. Now the way they did it was pretty clever about the Robert Downey Jr. thing going in there and then having to go to find the right house party and pull them out of it. It was fun watching. Oh, that yeah, unfold. that was fun. Yeah. And we'll, I want to talk about those world worlds uh here in a uh, and a little bit because that's that's the fun part about this this story. Um, but yeah, you said the 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 characters are unlike. Oh, you're talking about the references. Uh, so let's talk about that. One of the things that I found because I, I I bought a whole classroom set of Ready Player One in hardcover and taught my my high schoolers this book before the movie came out. Before they oh, were, cool. I think they teach it in school now. But I was like, th they hadn't seen the movie, and so it was my first. They, we got to go through this and it was fun going through all the eighties references with them, you know? Um, yeah, bad. but in doing that, I quickly found that there's not a lot of little literary merit in this book as far as prose writing style, um, mm. and story structure and things like that. And in part two, that becomes even more evident when, 
even less. Yeah. Part one, <laughs> the first time you read it, you're just so like, oh my god! It's like I guess it's the equivalent to watching Mallrats when your first time when you're 12, and because it's the first time anyone has soaked a movie in so much pop culture references and obscure pop culture references that you're just like, this is genius. This mm-hmm. is giving me just what I want, right? But then you know, you know, eight more years into the 90s, everyone's having a Star Wars conversation in their comedy everyone's yeah. doing an indiana jones reference then it's like oh it's it was, it was a new thing but it's not that much of a skilled thing yeah you know and mm-hmm. that really came through within the first few pages of this book where it was just like oh that's that's like msg like you're putting in chinese food it's it's just an easy thing to make it taste better, you know, uh, and make me feel full. But it's not. It's not. It's the illusion of storytelling because it's it's hitting all those endorphins in your head like, oh, my God, I love that Prince song. Fuck yeah. And it gives you that endorphin rush of a well-plotted story point without having to do the plotting. Yes. Yes, I agree. It was kind of a cheap facade. However, maybe it's just the fact that, you know, you read the first one, you're kind of expecting more of the same reference. So you're kind of ready for it. And you're kind of like already kind of like ready to judge it. You know, you're sitting there and you're You're ready player to judge it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you say, okay, bring it on. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, nope. That was crappy. Next. Uh, nope. Mm-mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're waiting to be. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, you're, now you're, before you were, you were just being, your mind was blown by how many references there are. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're being like, well, why didn't he, well, that's another Matthew Broderick reference. He did that last time. Why isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Different? Why didn't he talk about popples? Popples were very famous in the night. That was a very famous <laughs> toy in the 1980s. My sister had a popple, and I had a my pet monster, and they didn't mention any of those in this book. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there could be a little bit of that. However, they they used uh, okay. So what I really liked, and I, I we talked about this in one of our other episodes. Is is Ready Player One to me seemed like a uh, like an original way of telling an old school love story. That's what I liked about it. It it was it, he used pop culture. He used these different tools to construct this this classic love story. With and he painted it with these fun little pop culture references. Yeah, and and, and, like, and I, I think paint I, this little uh, pop culture brush green, pretty green over here and over yeah. here. <laughs> it's like yeah. the Ross of uh, pop culture references. Just a little, Bob, right? yeah. a, yeah. little, little splash of Super Mario over here, over here. A little Devo, little little, little talking heads over just there, speckled in here and. <laughs> So, yeah, and that's what was fun about it. But this one, like like you said, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of – not a lot to chew on. You know, there's there wasn't a lot to, to 
hold on to and and not and a lot of investment. Follow. There's not a lot to right. be invested yeah. in. Uh, no, I mean, it, but it was just weird because, like I said, the, the stakes were higher. There was more. The, there was the. There was so I mean the the fate of pretty much the fate of the world because they were saying if, if the oasis goes down the world will collapse you know mm-hmm. it, it, the structure of society as we know it would would fall apart but it's still I I don't know well, let's talk about one I, of the I things I, so this it. this gets back into that representation of gamers is one of the things that is touched on a little bit in the first one but it's not really the um, emphasis of it is in this one we strip uh, Wade of his friends and he becomes a real loner. So it's that whole like, uh, what be- what becomes of a man who gains the world but owns nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. he has he has no friends. His girlfriends dumped him. His friends are, are doing their own thing. He's retreating more and more into his own world, uh, which seems to be, of course, a very easy line to connect to hardcore gamers who... Uh, may use the uh, virtual world or interactive virtual play like this as an escape and a replacement for their real life social structures. So they become more invested into it. They create stakes in games that where they might not be. Wade in this is when that new challenge approaches itself, he doesn't take it because he's like, you know what? I've, this is the smart thing to do. He takes it because he's bored and because mm-hmm. he needs to put his time into something. And since he has no friends to throw it into, uh, he throws it into the virtual world, which I thought was a very apropos for this book coming out in this time where, you know, some people have been quarantined with their families and things like that. So they have to find escape from within their escape, you know, their isolation. So they're isolated from the world, but they're isolated with their families. So then they have to try to find isolation within their family for privacy. But others of us, like myself, you know, we were always living on our own. Um, you know, I don't, especially the older I get, you, just like as you get older, you just tend to have fewer closer friends. Uh, I don't have family to replace them with. So I understand uh, that, especially lately, I've been going for deeper and deeper into my world. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to watch all Kurosawa movies over the next two weeks. So I'll watch like 18 Kurosawa movies. And I, that, I, will, I, will, I will put that as a quest. I'm like, I've got I've to watch them all. I think I started off this quarantine by way back in a year from now, I was attempting to watch all the Bond films in order. You know, it was creating these mini pop culture quests to give me something to invest my time into because I couldn't invest it in other people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I see Wade doing that at the beginning of the novel. And to me, that's interesting. Now, as soon as he crews up again, you know, there is some remnants of that as he's trying to kind of apologize and learn how to work with people again. But a lot of it is just like, man, I forgot how much he knows about this. Oh my gosh, he's so great. Wow, what a cool friend. Man, Shoto knows so much. I couldn't have done this without age. <laughs> you know? So, okay, so the villain from the last book, uh, Sorrento, shows up again in this. And he says something really interesting that I was think kind of thinking in the back of my head throughout the last book and this one. These guys that are these 
scholars that are like uh, uh, holiday scholars. Mm -hmm. They, they, they invest all their time and, and resources into um, uh, learning of the culture that, that he grew up with, that, that he loved that all the music he listened to, the comics he read, the, the movies he watched um, in order to find that, that egg. So here are this, here's this generation of people and they are following and, and, and liking and, and into this cult, somebody else's culture. Mm-hmm. And Sorrento comes over and he says, how does it feel to, to kind of be a slave to, to a, a, a bygone era? You know, it, it, it was, it was garbage culture from that. was not even yours. Yeah. You know, he's this like, is like the yours. dad in it. Turn that racket off. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm like, uh, that's that's really bizarre so it's like in 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 their quest to to find this the all these treasures they they invest themselves into somebody else's culture mm. and they're not even building their own they're not even it's doing anything to solve someone else's mystery honestly too mm-hmm. these characters now have been on two giant quests and none of the quest has been them finding themselves or who they are yeah, not yeah. It, it it's uh, really interesting. Uh, that first book, um, Wade goes on this huge quest. Now, uh, usually for a round character, is that the character starts the quest? You know, hears the call, crosses the threshold, meets the mentors, does all that stuff, slays the dragon, receives the reward. But they, they but they're changed. Wade doesn't change. I mean, he changes in superficial ways. But he doesn't change because that first quest, none of it was about him finding himself. You could make arguments that, oh, we found himself here. He learned that he met friends. But if this if this is like a five-book journey, maybe I can yeah. see it. And this is just – and he's just now crossing the threshold. He's just now starting to be like, hey, maybe it's about not just copying Holiday. Maybe it's about – figuring out what I like and who I like and what I want to be, but it's not in these two books. No, not at all. And, and, and if he did manage to, to, to find himself any kind of pieces of himself in the last book, it's all gone in the very beginning of this. Cause he's, he's the same old fool all over again. Well, this can also get, it's funny you say that. Cause what you just said reminded me of one of the main reasons that I'm not a big video game person. And I've thought about this quite a bit. Uh, Cause my kids ask me all the time, like you play video games. I don't play video games. And so I've had to kind of like really look at why I don't <laughs> play video games. And one of the reasons is, and I'm, I've never liked this, even as a kid, it was just, I, I don't like it. I know, I know, I know now that the worlds are getting bigger and games. Like when I see like red dead redemption, I'm like that's it's pretty cool. But what video games do is there is a restriction to your creativity. You can only be so creative within the rules of that video game world. So you're investing mm-hmm. all this time into, just like Wade is, going through someone else's imagination. Interesting. And you can explore that world. You can do things in that world. And you can people could say, what about, like, what's that game where you can, like, create, like, blocks and... 
you know, like a Sim Minecraft? City Minecraft. People are like, okay, well, you can create in that. I'm like, okay, that's a good argument for using technology to create, but you're still limited mm. within those tools. Then people can yeah. say, well, Travis, aren't you always limited with, with the tools that you use? I'm like, yes, I understand. If you're making a couch out of wood, then you're limited by what wood can do and the tools you have. But there are other things you can invest your time in which don't have as many clear-cut boundaries. And so one of the things when I look at gaming culture is I look at these, uh, I look at people who spend hours upon hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks playing these games. Um, and they enjoy it, and it's, it's part of their life. Some people use it to relieve stress. Some people use it to escape reality. Some people use it to just uh, keep their hands occupied yeah but it's a major investment in the time and how much self-exploration is going on when you're playing a video game how much of self-building is happening um oh yeah man i don't yeah i don't see that at all i mean you could say like well i'm i'm communicating with people from uh, other countries and we're banning like grab the flag it's on your right okay you go left and so there are aspects of it you can make an argument to it but when compared with something else like writing or making a video or uh, mm. or even uh learning going doing jujitsu uh or jogging or doing something physical uh exploring uh things and, and testing your limits both physically and mentally um that is what has always kind of stopped me from being attracted to the world of gaming is the set structure, the the inability inability to explore yourself or the world past a certain point. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I, you know, with the risk of sounding like a like an old fart here, I I think the reason why I enjoyed video games when I was younger is because they. To me, I used to use video games as kind of like, uh, I never used them as an escape, but it's kind of like a, a way to, de well, kind of like to decompress, you know, kind of like just, just kind of tune out the world momentarily. But now games seem so immersive that it's hard to just kind of dip your toe in it every now and again. You know, it's like, oh, uh, whenever I kind of, you know, I'm having a bad day, I'm going to play a little Call of Duty. But it's like, eh, he said duty. you can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't just go, eh, I'm going to decompress for a little bit. It's like, because I used to, you know, when starting to play games like this, if you wait too long, you forgot where you're at. You forgot what items you have. You forgot what you have to do next. You forgot what you've done. You forgot who you've already you know, what clues you've got, you know, it's like you, it's like you have to immerse yourself in these games now, right. as opposed to just, you know, go and tinker around a little bit, you know, move the little Tetris blocks right. and when you around put, a little bit. When you bit, put you know? characters, these gamers into this virtual world where there are rules and it's, it's a, a simulation is like even this big battle at the end, they, they go to four different worlds, right? And the fourth world is 
the ancient world of Lord of the Rings from like the Sumerian or Sumerian. I never read that that Lord of the Rings one. So yeah, it's like before, you know, like Frodo and them. And it was kind of cool to learn about some of those figures and stories in there. But there's this big fight with this evil villain. But the stakes aren't there because it's a video game. You know, Wade isn't going to lose. I mean, I guess there are, he could lose the quest that he's going for and blah, blah, blah. But there's no, he doesn't lose any of himself by losing that game. There's, there's, there's no bit of who Wade is that he stands at risk to lose other than his life. And for a character to be invested in a character, it can't just be you're worried about them dying. You have to be worried about them not uh, losing or not gaining an essential part of themselves. Mm -hmm. And Wade does not show any signs of losing or gaining an essential part of himself. Yeah. And, and, and so here's another thing that I, I forget to mention. You know how I was saying, you know, the, even though the, I, I think the stakes are just as are higher in this one. However, there was a, a button, a big button that Wade can push at any time that would basically just completely deconstruct the Oasis. And if he did this, then all of Anorak's, the hold that Anorak has on all these people that are logged in um, would disappear, but there would be no oasis. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of, I'm like, so then if midnight if, if in the oasis, new... push the button, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Richard cheese. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's my Bill Murray lost in translation, <laughs> AKA uh, ready player two. <laughs> Um, so you kind of like, well, these people don't have to, the only thing that's really at risk is the Oasis. And a lot of times I can't help but think, I don't know if you thought this too, everybody that is in the Oasis, it's like these people live in a totally shitty world. You know, everything's shit, you know, it, it, it's dirty and grungy and there's, there's not a lot out in the real world. And sometimes I think. Maybe if you fuckers weren't logged into this mind-numbing oasis, you would actually you can improve dig in, your you can, life. You can improve the irrigation systems in your shitty ass-filled city. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you know you can take down the walls of, of and mega city. And that's what they try to do with the character of Artemis. Is that Artemis is that character trying to do that stuff? She's going mm -hmm. to like countries and trying to do that, but it's just like she seems to be in the oasis quite a bit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and and not just that, but you kind of you're you're not as sympathetic with her character, with her with her side of the story because she's unlikable, mm -hmm. and she waves her opinions from a, a, a soapbox. She's a Karen, you know. Yeah, you know, and, and it's like she's not very sympathetic. She's not very likable. Um, she throws her morals on everybody, and doesn't understand why everybody doesn't see the world like her. And it's yeah. like, hmm, that's familiar. <laughs> yeah. Well, all well, all the all his friends hold the key to passing all the levels in here. So let's talk about some fun stuff. Let's go through these okay, worlds yeah, yeah. quickly and let's talk about that because this is where we can celebrate this book. And again, I mm. recommend you reading this book. Um, do I recommend teaching a high school class this book? No, absolutely not. Teach them a better book. Uh, there's a million better things to read. Read the bell jar. Read some Sylvia Plath. <laughs> some, some, yeah. Yeah. yeah, do something with some some meat on the bones, something with some structure and some prose. But uh, for fun, 
uh, read this book. And here's what's fun, and we're going to spoil these wor worlds. Uh, we haven't really spoiled a lot, but we are going to spoil these worlds, which, if you haven't read the book, this is the main enjoyment of reading it. So I really recommend, if you don't know what these worlds are yet, don't listen to what we're about to say because it will spoil some things, and that is the real fun of this book is doing that. So I'm yeah, I, it's I, I don't care. I'm gonna make money from this thing. So the only the, <laughs> it's pretty much it's pretty much the only fun of this yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. So uh, our first world in the quest for uh, Kira um, Morrow's uh, soul, basically. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to call it. Um. Uh, weird character as well when she comes into play. Hmm, I guess I like this. Um, uh, is uh, the uh, John Hughes world. Hey, 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 ooh, John Hughes world. That's what happens when you teleport into that world. Boom, boom. So some fun yeah. things about this. This uh, I'll, I'll go and then you go. One of my favorite things about this world is the uh, needle drops that constantly play. So they uh, Ernest Klein, of course, introduces the term needle drop, which if you're uh, a, a film nerd, you know, a needle drop is when they they drop a uh, a non sequential piece of music into the film that um, highlights it. So like boom, boom, chicka chicka. That would be a needle drop or any song that's dropped into it. So throughout John's Hughes world, there are constantly needle drops that happen in different environments. What do you like about John Hughes world, Jay? Um, gosh. I mean, there was. Man, okay, so they 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 did dive deep into this in, into the world, right? Um, they talk about the, how they're, they're like the high schools are different. Like one was the back side of the high school, and the other was the front side of the high school. Yeah, and, and you know they were like, there's a, a part where they're looking for Molly Ringwald, I, th I think, and and one of them spotted Molly Ringwald, but they're like, no, no, that's Molly Ringwald from from Breakfast Club. We're yeah. looking for Molly Saint Ringwald Elmo's from. Fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're looking for this character and. And there was there was a few interesting little tidbits of of information that I did not know. Mm -hmm. um, for example, you mentioned uh, Robert Downey Jr. So I did know Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to be Ducky. That that's that's kind of a known thing. What I didn't know, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't. No. What I didn't know is that Molly Ringwald said the reason. Okay, so when they first test, they, they, the audience tested Pretty in Pink. And audiences did not like that she ended up with Ducky. Mm -hmm. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, and so Andrew McCarthy was already filming some other movie, and they 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 brought him back. That's why he has that stupid wig on at the end, because um, he was filming like a World War II picture, and he had a shaved head. And so they put a stupid wig on him, and they made him uh, uh, re reshoot the last part where where Molly Ringwald ends up with. Uh, Paul McCartney, or uh, what? What is his name? Andrew McCarthy. I, not love, Paul McCartney. I love you, Molly <laughs> Ringwald. As soon as I slipped that, I'm like, I'm like, here, okay, cue Travis. And, Let's go to uh, the record Liverpool store accident. and pick some records out, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Needle drop. And um, kiss, kiss Molly's lips. 
I would love Paul McCartney doing a cover version of Kurt Cobain's Molly's, Molly's Lips, which I believe is a cover song of the Vaseline, not Vaseline's, but it is a cover song of a cover song. It would be like, she said she'd take me anywhere. She'd take me anywhere as long as I stayed clean. <laughs> I think it is a Vaseline's. Yeah, I think you're right. Vaseline's. Um, Deep cut on so Molly's what? Lips today yeah. on the Pop Bonsai <laughs> Podcast. Deep cuts. <laughs> Ernest Klein um, style deep cuts. Yeah. No, actually, that was probably better than anything Ernest Klein did in this <laughs> book. Um, but I didn't know that she said if if Robert Downey Jr. had played Ducky, audience they they had more chemistry and mm. audiences would not have wanted her to end up with Andrew McCarthy. I can see that too. I can uh, see that happening. Uh, so can I. So I totally could, dude. And that's so I'm like, gosh, what could have been? But I, honestly, I think that Ducky had. Came, I think that Ducky should have been done Molly. Come on now, Ducky. I don't know, fucky. man. Ducky was a ducky really needs to get lucky. Um, you, yeah, but I think ducky. that's what. But I think that's that's that was very. I thought that was very John Hughes though. Is to show pimples in all. The thing about uh, uh, John Hughes which doesn't seem as much because they all seem pretty pretty people in the end. But back then, that was him showing uh, pimples and all. The other thing I like about that's a good point. The other thing I like about it is we get to meet John Hughes as a character. And I love how yeah, they yeah. go into the house and they go into his room and he's typing. Oh, I love that so much. Like seeing the writer. Cool. It was a very Looney Tunes pulling back the curtain and seeing the the animator animating bugs yeah. type thing <laughs> that was that was uh that was a great uh great um uh part to it all right so moving on that to the cool. sec oh actually that was the second world i'm sorry um john hughes world was the second world the first world was the shoto um uh, the one that he was involved with i believe because the, the first world was they had to go into the japanese gaming world of that ninja game Mm-hmm. remember this you don't remember it that's so the, how much I, the no. first clue ninja. oh, oh yeah. okay okay yeah 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 yeah. princess yeah the the the, the ninja prince thing yeah. right yep okay which i didn't know a lot about so that's probably why it didn't stick with me as much um yeah me either so i guess we're gonna skip the ninja world so ninja world yeah. then uh john hughes <laughs> world Actually, there's a couple more. There's more than four worlds. Then we go into uh, it's kind of like the uh, I don't know what they I don't know what they call it in the book. I I, I should have researched this stuff, but it's basically like I thought it was kind of a kids learning show world. So things like Mister Rogers or Eureka's Castle or I don't think any of these were referenced in this world, but it's basically the Oasis's version of a kids learning program. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was fun. I thought that was a really clever way to introduce a world and a segment of 80s pop culture like 321 Contact or Mr. Wizard uh, that everyone on this world gets their own treehouse. It's free, too. It's like it's the PBS version of the Oasis. No matter who you are. You get a free treehouse if you're a certain age, and that's your clubhouse. And you can do these mini educational challenges. Maybe it's the teacher or me, but I'm like, oh, that's fun. It's a little cheesy, but it it smacks of like, oh wow, that that is when I actually started to. That's when Wade's his most likable. Honestly, is when he's reflecting on how he got so invested into this 
virtual reality world. And it made you understand a little bit of his history with this world and why he's so attached to it. And so I thought they, they had spent way too much time in some of the other of these worlds and not enough time in the what we're going to call the kid zone world, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and not just that, but it it not only did it make Wade seem a little bit more, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, like you said, likable, but <laughs> yeah, it made the Oasis not as much of a giant heap of garbage. It didn't make it seem like the internet. Know. Like, like it didn't yeah, make it yeah. seem like the worst of the internet, which sometimes it comes across as the worst of the internet. It made yeah. it be like, oh, this can have a positive effect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't know. Giving kids an isolated treehouse where they can spend hours by themselves also leads to Wades. <laughs> That's how you get a Wade. Sociopaths. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. You but learn, I learned how to it's make a pipe right bomb from Mr. Wizard in my treehouse. Yeah, I whittled a I whittled a gun here, Ma. Look at this. <laughs> okay, and then we go into um choose my words carefully. Not a controversial world. A surprising world. Uh a world <laughs> out of left field. Um uh Okay, uh, uh okay, we're gonna go we're gonna go into the next world, which is Prince World. Prince yeah. World. Okay, so the reason I say it's an it's an interesting choice is because up to this point, and this is what Ernest Klein gets a lot of flack on in Ready Player One, every like artist and writer and creator he references is like a white male in that first book. All the things, except for maybe some Asian stuff, some like uh, uh, Asian designers. I can't say even Asian stuff sounds weird. Listen, I spent twenty five years of my life in Asia. I'm good. Uh, I was born here. Um, <laughs> Some Asia stuff. I can say it. Asia. Um, you have... Um, <laughs> look at Jay's like, already, Jay's like, yeah, Ty on. He's like, Ugh. <laughs> uh, Shut down. Red button. Shut down the Oasis. They getting hot in here. Uh, um, uh, so it's... And so this was really cool. And Jay and I, had, we actually talked. I talked to him about, you know, my Halloween costume as going as Prince back in October before I read this book, uh, this book didn't come out till I didn't read it till November and on Halloween. I went as Prince and I asked people on a podcast, is it okay if I go as Prince? Um, cause I was really starting to get into Prince. It's, it's an artist. I never really got past the first few deep, uh, first few cuts. And I knew that he's heralded as a musical genius. So I was primed to go into this world. Cause a month before I had done a deep, I watched purple rain, uh, the whole movie. <laughs> so I got the Purple Rain references in there. So I was a little bit up to date on there. And even I was pretty lost in the Prince world. But I thought it was a fun... I thought it was a cool... I think Prince has a weird eccentricity that would make for an interesting, almost Blade Runner meets pop music kind of world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was it it was pretty clever. Uh, you know, some of the parts where, especially where he had, you know, one of the challenges was he had to kind of like live the song Raspberry Beret. You know, mm -hmm. when he walked in and he and they're like, no, no, you have to go in through the outdoor. <laughs> it's like, oh come on, yeah. You know, I also like and, and he, he teams up with Morris Day in the time. Who, of course, most of us know yeah. through, and he mentions even like the only way I know reason I know them is because they were in Jay and Silent Bob. 
strike back, you know? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if, and, I mean, if you watch Purple Rain. You yeah, know, but I didn't watch Purple Rain. Uh, I would have. The only reason I would have known more stay in time before I watched Purple Rain was from that movie, the same way that Wade kind of knows them, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so it's I like I like him acknowledging his holes. You know, he's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, very, very walking that line, and how he acknowledges his ignorance on Prince. Prince, Prince privilege. (laughs) What one of the only things, and you know, maybe I'm the asshole here. You know, you are the asshole here. You're the fucking ducky, bro. (laughs) I'm the John Cryer ducky. I'm not even the cool Robert Downey (laughs) Jr. ducky. Um, You're the Robert Downey Jr. from Weird Science, bro. <laughs> so, okay, I recognize Prince. Um, I, I like Prince. I like. I think the guy was very creative, and I think he just favorite he, Prince song. He, go. Uh, it's uh, probably Raspberry Beret. Mm, my darling Nick. Um. Oh. Uh, so a girl named Nikki, Purple I Rain. guess you could say she cool was a sex fiend. See, yeah, dude, I don't know if you know this, but I'm trying to grow my hair out like Prince Fro in like, um, like uh, Darling Nikki, so I can get those <laughs> sweet curls and just be shirtless on stage. I don't know if I'm gonna pull it off. Nice, nice, but I don't really know. Okay, first of all, I think they spent way too much time, too much time. there. And there were details that, you know, I grew up in the heyday of Prince. I watched Purple Rain when I was a kid. It was on HBO like three times a day. You oh, know? wow. So you've seen it before. Okay. Oh, yeah, dude. And and so. Such a weird um, movie. Oh, yeah. It is really weird. And I, th- I think a lot of, in, in a lot of ways, it was ahead of its time. Um, but anyway, <laughs> especially I feel like the ending it's this um, like weird cat and mouse thing. Like when he's driving his motorcycle, he's like, <laughs> "Not that's not Lake Minnetonka." <laughs> I'm <leaving laughs> you. No, I'm back. No, I'm going. <laughs> but I feel like nobody likes Prince that much. It's like the dude had like flashes of brilliance throughout his career, but um, after like 1995. Gosh, yeah, under the cherry under, under the cherry moon. Yeah, um, I couldn't. You know, I couldn't tell you any. And and I think most people probably can't because I don't think anybody is like it. it you know, like you know, like the Stones or something. You know, you like you, you, there's people that have fallen throughout their whole, the long career. But after a certain they, point, Prince wasn't known for his own music, but for like cool appearances. Like I remember, like in the early two thousands, he did like a Grammy performance or like a induction ceremony where you played my guitar gently weeps the solo on that they had like a super band and prince came out and and soloed on my guitar gently weeps and it was just like oh shit this guy's a genius but it wasn't like oh yeah i bought his last 14 albums yeah no well yeah and he was known through probably throughout like the 90s uh for for his eccentricity mm-hmm. you know like when he came out with with when he had that huge battle with his label and he came out with with the word slave written on his cheek or when he changed his name to that symbol and mm-hmm. but musically man i can't you know i couldn't tell you anything past that very scott pilgrim-esque in the prince world where he has to battle oh, yeah. the uh the princes 
big time. Yeah, I felt, time. And that it was, felt that very was much fun. like it. Yeah, I felt that. I feel like that was an overt wink almost at Scott Pilgrim. Ah, I interesting. Mean, uh, certainly, right. with Scott Pilgrim being such a, a, a big zeitgeist moment for gamers in film culture and Ernest Cline, uh, there's no way Ernest Cline doesn't watch uh, um, who's the director of um, Scott Pilgrim. What am I thinking? Uh, Baby Driver. Um, British dude. <laughs> I don't yeah. Yeah. well i had a vaccine yesterday so i have an excuse but uh and i just got that i'm just massage. not smart That's uh, uh baby driver i can yeah lance um, is gonna lance is gonna come kill you man. i know i know all right um, um anyway there's look no it up way that that ernest klein isn't a fan of him because they have a very sim like they 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 seem about the same age and and uh uh and all that stuff. Anyways, it was it was too long in that world, but some interesting worlds, fun to explore them. The, that was the best, the most fun of this book. Uh, overall, what where does this leave you? Does this? I think we've talked about this in all three sets so far. Are you? Are you? Neither of us are gamers. Yeah, we've been casual through our lives. Maybe pick up the sticks. I think they call them sticks once in a while. But is anything, does this make you want to play video games more? Absolutely not. Yes, it's turning me away from it more. It, it, <laughs> it feels like it's justified my decision to stay away from video games. Now, this is tough to say on a podcast because there's a lot of overlapping demographics in podcasts and video games and uh, films and things like that. And I'm not bashing video games. I don't, I never, I never, I never walk in like, we fucking playing games or someone's talking about a game. I'm not like, that sounds stupid. I'm always interested in it. And I'm like, I love, yeah. I love watching the trailers of new games. It's just when life is about how we spend our time, nothing in these three sets so far on how these people interact with other people or how they spend their time makes do i see myself in any of these characters you know i see my hmm. let's, let's talk about an unlikable character like john cusack's character in high fidelity is an unlikable character right he has likable moments some save the cat moments but he's an unlikable character i can see myself i'm like oh i kind of i kind of want to be that guy I kind of want to be in that world, even though he's an unlikable guy. I can, I can, I can see myself being. I, I understand where that comes from because he's in this world, and I could see myself falling into that world and becoming one of those guys. I cannot see myself, based on these three pop culture pieces that we've watched uh, and read so far, I can't see myself as one of those guys so it doesn't make it me appealing so i don't need something to be appealing for me to see myself in it but i just i i'm i i have through scott pilgrim king of kong or ready player one and two i i haven't seen myself in this world Ah, interesting i i think if i'm I not represented in those... this world jay <laughs> <laughs> gatekeepers <laughs> um i think if if anything if i had to pick any one of those things where i would i saw myself it might be scott pilgrim no i was gonna say it might be uh weeby just oh, because of the fact that steve weeby like, bitch best believe yeah. he's beating on kong and he makes it look easy weeby <laughs> wicked, wicked. anyway just because you know like like the whole outsider aspect you know not getting 
you know, uh, uh, you know, it's always kind of being trying to, to fight my way into a scene or trying to get some, yeah. you know, like I, that's the only it's thing that autism, I, I could Jay. Yeah. <laughs> you damn gatekeepers won't <laughs> let me in. Let me in, please. Uh, okay, so, so all right. So, you, so you, you saw yourself as the outsider in that, and also like, hey, this looks fun, guys. Like, I don't even need to be the best. I just want to be like in the club. Mm -hmm. Here's a real cool club it's in the video good. game town, mm -hmm. and I really want to play and pass the quarters around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> play Donkey Kong with the other kids. <laughs> so, were you part of the Burger King Kids Club when you were a kid? Did you did you fill out the form and join the Burger King Kids Club with wheels? Mm -hmm. Remember the I kid, remember so. Burger King Kids Club where they had the character who was in a wheelchair and the character's name was Wheels? No, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. You're like 10 years older. Than, or His I'm name was Wheels. He had red hair and glasses. Huh. Okay. <laughs> wheels. Is this, the, is this Maxine talking now? <laughs> no, this is Wheels. They used to have figurines of these kids. Look them up. Ooh. Ernest Klein, put Wheels in your next novel when you do uh, the 90s <laughs> references. <laughs> So anyway, I don't even remember what we were talking about before. Um, That's my fault. I was saying not being able to see myself in any of these characters. Are you closer to being, is any of this, normally when you consume pop culture, you're like, oh man, I'm pumped to be a cowboy now. Or like, I want to go be oh, a, yeah, a, a yeah, gangster. Yeah, no. Or I want to go own a record store. So do you think it's maybe because we we don't play video games that this doesn't, that we can't well, see no, ourselves. Well, no, because I mean, I watch athlete uh, uh, like movies. And I'm like, oh man, I want to go play basketball. And I just play <laughs> basketball, you know? Like, like watching Basketball Diaries. You're like, I want to go play basketball. <laughs> I watch Vampire <laughs> Diaries and then I want to go play basketball. I watch Teen Wolf and I want to go play basketball. Honestly, <laughs> but if I watch Teen Wolf, I, I will want to go play basketball. Hmm. Interesting. You know? Interesting. If I watch like Bloodsport, I want to go like. Do some kickboxing. Do the splits. Yeah, do the splits. Yeah. Banana splits. La, awesome. la, 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 that, that is the vaccine and the whiskey kicking in the massage. Oh, we better, we better, we better call this, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all over the place. Um, I'm like so... Ernest Klein with the references now. I've, I've become, I've taken on full Klein. <laughs> I'm just like a robot, like, like splitting out into different references. <laughs> oh, man. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, I, I can't see myself in any of this. It doesn't, it didn't want to make me play video games. They want to do any kind of virtual bullshit, whatever they do now. Yeah. But it didn't fact, want to make me read more. I liked reading this and I'm like, oh, this is really beach fiction. It's like beach, uh, take it to the beach. You can read it pretty quickly. Um, not a lot. Yeah. I mean, there, there, and there are deeper themes that we did not get into with this as far as, uh, there's a lot of parallels between how current society is using the internet and how, what that could turn into, the dystopianness of that. Uh, certainly, that's been explored a lot, and I think Ernest Klein maybe does invite some new, interesting threads into that conversation that we didn't talk about mm -hmm. because it's not really mm -hmm. part of our our set this this uh, month. But um, yeah, you can pick this book apart. You can find stuff in this book certainly. Um, but uh, yeah, doesn't want me to be a gamer. So we have one no. more chance, Jay. One more chance to get me on board and make me pick up those sticks, turn on my gaming console, dust it off, and start playing some games. And that's when we tune in to the music side of video games. 
We're gonna talk this. We're gonna, we're gonna talk this out right now, Jay. We're gonna come up with the rules for this. We are gonna I'm still a little nervous going, about this. We're gonna create a playlist. Now, there's a couple of th- ways we can do this. One, we can create a playlist of video game scores, aka video songs from video games that we really like. I'm thinking. See, I, I, I've uh, got like two, like five or seven each. Okay, so you you'd have to do some work on that or explore some of that. Mm-hmm. Or we could do video game related songs, like anything that makes us think about video game related songs, which could include. I think I like that one better. <laughs> okay. 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 We'll do video game related songs, which you can take any way you want. You could take uh, artists that have sampled video games for their music, uh, uh, artists that are, are, are using uh, video game lyrics or referencing video games heavily in their songs. Um, yeah. Are uh, songs that have been closely related to video games. So we're we're broadening this out. I will say this. Let's let's limit it because uh, then we'll be like, well, how much video games it, on this playlist? You can include one. We'll each include our favorite video game score that we could find. So this is just okay. the score. Okay, I can do that. To like you know. A video game. Now, a lot of video games, they have different scores. It'll be like, oh, it's Luigi's Mansion, and this is like Yoshi's Island. That's fine. Uh-huh. But it's okay. got to uh, pick one of those. Do we, is it have, Do you want to say it has to be classic video game, or it can be anything? Nah, whatever. Okay, so I mean, rock I mean, band? So rock band? It's, no, this, that's <laughs> cop out. But, but uh, I think, you know, I think me and you are Mine is the chain from Fleetwood classic. Mac, featured on Rock Band 2. Yeah. Yeah, mine is a police truck uh, by the Dead Kennedys, which was uh, featured on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Ooh, you know, I forgot about like Tony that. Hawk. Yeah, see, that's... No, no, it has to be... I think it, it, it should be something that was, like, exclusive for that game, yeah. you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. No, it has to be a score for that game. Like, they yeah. sat down and wrote it for that game. Okay, so we, we each have to include one of those, and then each of us gets six other video game related oh six huh we did okay we did seven last time i think seven's the magic number for each 14 gives us a, a nice conversation piece sounds good to me all right and we will post that up on the potbonsai.com where you can find our old podcasts including all other two of our gamer set uh our previous sets as well you can find us on instagram at what jay on instagram pop bonsai podcast that is b-a-n-z-a-i not b-o-n i don't know what kind of fool would make that mistake and buy a website <laughs> with b-o-n like a bonsai tree we're bonsai baby so trim the uh, bonsai tree daniel <laughs> that's right <laughs> daniel wax on wax off so we are waxing on but we're not waxing off because we will wax back into action <laughs> on the next set bonsai!